0: for you as you heard that children's story but of course you would have recognised that's Luke chapter 24 verses 13 to 35. In fact if you have your Bible there on your app or whatever you might want to get that out because we're going to spend just a few moments this morning reflecting on this moment in this part of the the longer Easter story. This is the day on which uh, Jesus has been resurrected but these disciples obviously haven't yet recognised that. And guess it struck me as I was reading The sense of what are the things I've missed Things I've known about But in some ways have, have not paid attention to And then after the event you go, Oh, how did I miss that You know like that traffic speeding camera On Castle Hill Road Just there near uh, the um, Cumberland State Forest I drive that road probably every day And there are those days You know, oh How did I forget that? And you get reminded when you get a note in the mail (laughs) saying, here's your reminder. How did I get... You know, often we miss things, and in that we miss opportunities. History is full of that, of of stories, of communities of people, or individuals who didn't recognise what they actually had access to. I wonder if you recognise this man's face. This is the Atari founder. Nolan Bushnell. One of his employees was a young fellow named Steve Jobs. When Steve Jobs first started Apple, he approached his former boss and said, do you want to be a part of this? It'll cost you $50,000. He didn't. He would have owned a third of Apple, which is roughly worth about 500 billion US dollars. But he missed the opportunity. Or do you recognise this person? This is a chap called Green, Joe Green. Joe Green was at university and, in fact, did a lot of work with Mark Zuckerberg. And they got into trouble at Harvard because of some of the stuff they were doing. They created a website called FaceMash. After that event, but, Zuck decides that he'll start Facebook. And so he says to his mate, his good university vet, Joe Green, Joe, you want to join me in this? Joe Green's father, who was concerned about the problem I've got to have, I said, No, Joe, you're not doing any more stuff with this bloke. He would have owned around about 5% of the company, which today would be worth 7 billion US dollars. Missed opportunity. Many of you will recognise this. This is a roller door. B and D roller door. We probably all got one. If you haven't, you should get one. <laughs> They've been around since 1956. Well, actually, a bit before that. But in 1956, they approached my maternal grandfather, who, his name was Harry Burns, not Burn. Pop, my pop, my Harry, my grandfather owned a sheet metal business. And these guys approached him and said, because he was already doing some work for them, hey, we've got this idea. We're going to produce these garage doors which will roll up. Roll it all. And Pop thought to himself, you blokes are crazy. That's never going to work. So he said to them, no thanks. I don't want to be a part of it. (laughs) Years later, Pop would, in a sense of good humour, joke about his missed opportunity. But he said it with a level of disappointment, that this opportunity came, but he just didn't recognise it. Disappointment's a real experience. And these disciples on this day, as they journey home, um, in the midst of their disappointment, disappointment was etched into their faces, in fact. In fact, it sort of suggests that that as they journey along, there's a sense of hopelessness, there's a sense of loss, there's a deep sense of disappointment. They'd seen Jesus crucified. They were aware his body was taken and put in a tomb. And as we read in this record, as Luke records it, they were also aware that now his body was not there. They journeyed home with a deep sense of disappointment, grief. And as the scripture says, it was sort of in verse 17, they stood still, their faces downcast. The word there is such a strong word, only used twice in the New Testament, and actually has a sense of you could see the pain on their faces, etched into their faces. I don't know if you've already had a chance to see the news overnight with the funeral for the Duke of Edinburgh, And you've got a sense of the grief etched on the faces of that, family as they're a part of that funeral service in fact the Queen's hat and face mask she was wearing in fact almost hid her facial features but you had a deep sense of just the grief the pain the sense of loss the disappointment there's a seven mile or 11 kilometer walk from Jerusalem to Emmaus and as Josh picked up so well in the work he did for us in that children's talk, Tremendous work, thank you mate for that. There's a good sense it's Cleopas, actually it's his wife who's with him, although it's not known. And the interesting thing is these are two people we never hear of again. But yet in this moment, they're identified in a way which we can't escape because we journey with them in a way, which one of us hasn't had levels of disappointment, of grief, of, of we've missed something and now there's a sense of we can't get it back and, and we live with that along the way. They decide, they're journeying on this journey and as they talk to each other and they, they discuss this, this pain, this sense of all we'd hoped, all we'd hoped because of what we thought Jesus was going to do, all we'd hoped is now gone and we travelled back home with this great heaviness. It's not uncommon, is it? Every one of us in this room and those of us at home would well know those senses of loss, of disappointment, either with ourselves or with other people, because it is now just not going to happen. What we had hoped, what we dreamed, what we thought might be possible is now not going to happen. So their conversation is so heavy with sorrow, so heavy with disappointment, and then they're met on the world, as we now know from Luke's record, by Jesus himself. But they don't know that. In fact, they just see him as a stranger. But grief can do that to you, can't it? Disappointment can do that. It can actually blind us sometimes to the, to the world around us. That we are so encased, encaptured by our own pain that we don't see other things around us. Is that what it was? Is that why they didn't recognise Jesus? Uh, Is that sometimes why we don't recognise Jesus on our journey? Because we're so captured by what's happening to us personally. But they're on the road, and Jesus joins them. And he says, what's going on in effect? Uh, What's happening? And they're astounded. Don't you know? Doesn't everyone know? Don't you know what has happened in Jerusalem over these last three days? And they recount some of this, their hope. This is their knowledge, this is what they know. They know what happened, and they know what they'd hoped, and they know they wanted this Messiah who was gonna come and lift off all their problems. (laughs) Oh boy, (laughs) who doesn't want a Messiah like that, who's gonna solve all of my problems, deliver up all I want, just as I want it. And of course, for these community of people, this was about political liberation, this is about escaping out from the yoke under the Romans. This is a hope of liberty. And it's now not going to happen. Not in the way I hoped it was going to happen. Man, <laughs> who hasn't been there? Which one of us hasn't been in situations where it is not going to happen in the way I hoped it would happen? I've been let down, I was promised. I've created this hope, this expectation, and now pff, it's gone, exploded like an empty tomb, nothing there. And so in their knowledge, you see, that they know some things, but it's not enough. And so Jesus says to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So Jesus unpackages then what the Old Testament, the Jewish Bible, said about the predictive nature of Jesus and his ministry. No doubt passages like Isaiah that spell it out so strongly about the suffering servant, the promises to Abraham, those promises. And so the disciples, listening, Cleopas and his partner perhaps, his wife, Listen to this. They later say, not at that moment, but later, they were how our hearts were warmed by as we heard this. Oh, oh yes, oh yes, we start to see it. But here's the thing for me: even though they have their own knowledge, and even now they have the knowledge that Jesus has given them, guess what? They still don't recognise Jesus. You see, there's a sense often that knowledge is very, very important. And many of us sitting in this room have got a wealth of knowledge. I've been privileged over these number of years of of being encouraged to study the Scriptures, to study them informally. Yes, I know the Scriptures. But yet, is it ever enough? Is knowledge just enough? And I think that the, the thing that struck me about this passage is it's not enough. Knowledge is fundamental. Knowledge is important. I need to know these things about the nature of God. I need to know the history, this, this salvation history. But it is not enough. It's not enough. It's not transformative. It doesn't change me if I don't do something with it. I know there's a speed camera on Castle Road. I know that now I had a bitter experience. But did it ch- do I do anything about that? Has it, is it transformative for me? Do I take that knowledge and apply it then in how I live, well, in this case, how I drive? Or is it just knowledge? And, and see, the thing is, a lot of us have a lot of good knowledge, but does it impact how we live and what we do? Has it moved, in a sense, from being something which is very cerebral, something that's, I mean, store up here, very cognitive, and yet starts to flow? And change the whole of me not just my head see this is what they've missed see the third thing I want to say this this morning is that there's this transformation see what is interesting here is Jesus teaching by itself is not transformative what you saying Keith Jesus teaching is not transformative no it's not it is just knowledge there are a lot of good people who have a lot of good knowledge about Jesus I was one of those. I knew about Jesus. I had a good upbringing in the community, the faith community, where I was encouraged to go as a kid. I knew the history of Jesus. That didn't change me. It was just knowledge, like all the other knowledge we have, which sometimes yeah, doesn't make any difference. We know it. Might be able to answer the trivia question, but has it changed me? Has it changed you? See, here's the key. In verse 30 and 31, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, and broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognised him. Their eyes were opened. People who initially were blind, people who had no sense what was going on here, did not recognise Jesus, now in this moment recognise him. Why? Why? What was happening here? Yes, there are no doubt memories of Jesus breaking bread on other occasions. Uh, Did they see in his hands as he broke the bread the evidences of the crucifixion? Or was it something more? Was it that they finally said, oh, yes, 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 Jesus, (laughs) I hear all you've said. And now, in fact, just like I will take this bread and eat it, I'm going to take that knowledge that you've given me because of the relationship we've had together. You see, what is transformative in this is was the intimacy of the relationship. That's what's transformative, isn't it? I have knowledge, but I only start to apply it when I know it's got something personally to do with me. I've said before on several occasions, uh, what happened for me was I had all this knowledge and then there was a moment, there was a moment when I met Jesus on the road and he said to me, Keith, will you follow me? Now, so there's no confusion, this was not a big graphic thing. I didn't see anything physically, but I heard the spirit of God who still speaks to each one of us in that gentle, nudging way, will you follow me? And until, until that transpires, until that happens, until you respond, it's knowledge, good knowledge, important knowledge, but it doesn't bring recognition, and it doesn't bring hope, and it doesn't bring the sense of assurance, yes, Jesus is alive. Let's go back to Jerusalem and tell the disciples. It really happened because we have met Jesus. Have we? Have we met Jesus? That's the issue. Teaching is essential. But it's that personal response to that teaching. It's critical. John Wesley, who many of us will know, in the beginning of the, what's the Methodist movement in Australia now, the continuing Methodist United Church, John Wesley, Anglican minister, Went through Oxford, gets ordained as an Anglican minister and goes across to North America and ministers as a missionary to North American Native First First Nation people. He comes back on sort of a furlough leave and he attends a meeting in London on May the 24th, 1738 at Allsgate Street where what was happening was... (laughs) It's just astounding, but someone was reading Luther's preference to the epistle to the Romans. so Actually just reading what Luther was saying about the book of Romans. And Wesley says, as he sat there and heard that, these are his words, about a quarter before nine... While he was describing the change, this was the person talking, describing the change that God works on the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation, and an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. See, what is surprising about this moment is Wesley already had knowledge. He was a graduate of Oxford, ordained Anglican minister, worked as a missionary. He had all the knowledge, but he hadn't met Jesus personally. He had not recognised who Jesus was for him personally. And I guess for me, again, here's the astounding thing I find in my own journey of faith. Even now, there are times when my knowledge is fine, but have I applied it? my knowledge is there about who jesus but am i am i responding to that in a daily way in a way that impacts how i live or is it a kind of thing i reserve here i reserve it for sundays i reserve it for bible study i reserve but it doesn't affect the rest of my life it's as though i'm on the road to emmaus and jesus is journeying with me what about our road to emmaus what about my road How can I miss not seeing Jesus with me? How do I do that? Well, same sort of reasons. My disappointment. Grief. Loss of hope. Discouragement. (laughs) Our world is a broken world. There's no question about that. Very close friend who's a pastor of a small Baptist church in East Timor in Dili, flooded out. He lost everything. I was speaking to him. He said, "Keith, I lost. We lost all of our clothing, all of my books, everything, food, everything, just washed away." You say there's a level of disappointment and grief. And now, at that moment, if you've been watching on the news at all, East Timor is now being smashed with COVID as well. Wow! Grief, loss of hope, discouragement. Mm. My friend, Cisco, is finding himself on his road to Emmaus right now with his community of people. Jesus, I can't recognise you. Where, Where are you in this? Show me. You see, as I said, our disappointment can often blind us from what's going on. From where is Jesus in this moment for me? Am I looking for him? Am I hearing him? or I'm mean, just captured by the pain and the loss that I'm not conscious. I was amazed in that, well, not amazed. The funeral service, if you heard what the, the Dean of the Cathedral said or the Dean of Windsor Church said, lovely statements, pure, honest, good statements. They are written in Old English, but nonetheless, once you work your way through that, through your experience in English, you can still hear it. Good Trinitarian statements about God the Father, God the Son, and the equipping and strengthening of the Holy Spirit. But if we don't claim it for ourselves, well then it is just words. Just good words, excellent words. Transformation comes through personal recognition. The response to the intimate invitation of Jesus to bake bread together. That's what this is about. Come. Come, come join me, come journey, come respond, come accept my gift, come. Come and be my daughter, my son. That's the privilege for us on our roads to Emmaus. Are we seeing Jesus? Are we recognising him? Do we respond to his invitation? In every situation, either the first time, or the umpteen number of times for me when I have been on this journey and my knowledge has captured me that I've not seen Jesus. No, I just don't want knowledge. I want to know Jesus and that I want to respond to him. That makes a difference. Let me pray. Father, our prayer is that you'll open my eyes open our eyes to see your presence with me in every situation, in every moment, and guide me so that I don't miss the opportunities that you're opening up to me. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your second and third and fourth and umpteen number of opportunities to respond and to journey with you. Holy Spirit, we pray now you know the things we've been thinking you've been a part of the discussion we've had with ourselves even now Holy Spirit give us the courage to do the things we know would be good for us be best for us because it would be about accepting Jesus and then responding and Lord in the situations we find ourselves right now where there's grief there's loss of hope there's discouragement sense of not sure where I'm going or what's happening. Lord Jesus, I pray through the ministry of the Holy Spirit that you will lead us and guide us. And now, Lord, give us the courage to follow you as we respond. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.